you know, I've told people before that our industry now considers a game a success if it's sold like more than 10 or 15,000 copies. Like one wow. cargo container, right, could be considered a success of a game because uh, like gamer ADD is so crazy right now that people play a game two or three times and move on to the next game. So right. there's not a, it's not like the old days where there's a long tail where you get games like Catan that sell you know, what are they up to 18 million copies or something now? And uh, Carcassonne, the best board game ever made, is at 10 million copies. And Wingspan is now joined in the ranks of kind of that evergreen series where a game nice. sold more than a million copies. That's pretty of a big deal. That is, I didn't know that, that's really neat. Yeah. Um, and we played it, there was five of us who played it, and last time I played it, it was three players. But the two people who had never played were the ones who did the best, and I thought that that was... That's always amazing yeah. to see. Yeah, it was neat. And then Calico, of course, is a game, it's a tile-matching, pattern-matching game where you're trying to attract cats to sit on your lap. It's pretty awesome. We had a ton of fun with that, not uh, this Christmas, but the Christmas before, right? Yeah, yeah. That was one of the first games I took home and learned when I started working here. And I think that's Flat Out Games that did that one. Does that sound um, right? That's or? published by... I. It's either AEG or Renegade. I want to say it's AEG, I but it's I don't AEG. remember who the design studio is. I think Flat Out might have designed it and AEG right. published it. And then the yeah. second game they made was Cascadia. Uh, Cascadia. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was the follow-up. Yeah, so. that was also AEG. Yep, so yeah, yeah, you're correct there. Which is another <clears throat> awesome tile-laying game, so, yeah. which is, of course, why I love them, because yes. they're, you know, tile-laying games. Tile-laying games are my favorite. Chance was saying the other day that he thought that um, Cascadia feels like if you want Carcassonne, but more... Um, and you like the personal tableau thing. Um, yeah, other two, I think I like Calico a little bit more. And honestly, part of that might just be the fact that it has an inlaid board, so it looks gorgeous and seamless when you get the whole thing together. Yeah, lots of fun. Yeah. All right, what, what's next? Who's next? Tell what's us, next? tell us, well, beat it, beat real it. quick, we talked a lot about Best, best Sobel there, but Elizabeth Hargrave also did Mary Posas, which I have not played, don't know too much about. It's I, good. It's good. I like it. it I didn't, think it wasn't as popular, but it's still really good. I think that Mariposa's is a really good one for introducing people who are used to traditional roll and move games like Monopoly or Clue, because it has that move around the board feeling. Okay. But it's got set collection. It's got really neat um, variable scoring conditions that change throughout the game, and so I think it's an excellent game. Yeah, it's it's all about butterfly migration yeah. from Mariposas, Mexico. Okay. And you have to move your butterflies up into the United States. You play over four generations of butterflies. So at certain points, your your older butterflies die off. So you have to make sure that you're eating plenty of milkweed to, to have new butterflies and new generations. And then you have to move up in the United States to hit some of the scoring things uh, for the, the spring and the summer scoring. But then the whole thing is you must get back to Mariposas to score okay. for the winter time. So, okay. and that's usually on your fourth generation. It's a really cool uh, idea where the the butterflies, the older generations, die off at certain points. You must be constantly progressing and moving forward. But it's it sounds complicated, but it's really an easy mechanic and really easy for people to pick up. I'll have to try it out sometime. Yeah, it's um, good. It's and it's absolutely beautiful. It looks like it. All all her games are just gorgeous when you open them up. So I was going to say this next person might be my favorite on the list, but that's not true because they're all favorites in different ways. But I just think this one's really neat. It's Miranda Everts, which is the six-year-old who did Sleeping Queens. And, oh, we and saw a lot of Sleeping Queens, I know, Queens, and I just right? think that's so neat that she was six when she came up with it and that it came from a dream. And that's 
that's pretty cool. It yeah. is. We've got the, and they just came out with the 10th anniversary tin. tin. Yeah, so. a couple years ago. That's that's the standard version now, because it's only a couple more bucks, so we always just keep that one in. Yeah, because it's a really nice tin. It looks, again, the artwork is really fun on it. and. Yeah, great, uh, great casual game and great game that you can play with kids because if you with a little help you can teach kids and, and pull them along. Yeah. So and then after a couple of games they got it and they're coming for you. It's and so it says that she came up with it in two thousand three, which I don't know how long after that it was put into. Well, I think we've but, had the tenth anniversary tins for a couple of years now, so yeah. probably at least two or three. Yeah. So probably tw thirteen years ago, twelve years ago, something okay. like that. That's just neat. I just, yeah, go kids. Um, Lost Rooms Varnak. I know you and I both posted on a thread, and so did Brittany, um, about what we thought of Varnak because someone, well, I don't know what their initial question was. Just what, what did people think about it? And there was a lot of back and forth in the comments about how it's difficult with not having a ton of workers and feeling like you're playing catch up the entire time, but the expansion makes it better. Mm but I think that it's great on its own without the expansion. Um, but that is made by Min, whose last name I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to attempt that. I believe that they're Czech. Yes. Yeah. Um, but her and her husband created it. Yeah, and I've played probably more kind of games of Lost Rooms of Arnak than any game in the last 12 months. I really- It's, it's probably close. I was yeah. playing Arnak the other morning as a wake up, because um, I was playing it on BGA. And I'd actually, the funny thing is that there's the guess, um, guess the board game of the day. And I forgot to do it for a few days. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna do it today. And I, and I was like, okay, so it says adventure, exploring, um, you know, you know what? I'm just gonna guess Lost Cities because I, I had the first letter L. It's like Lost Cities because they did Arnak not too long ago, and then I didn't get it, and then I opened up Mechanics and I was like, okay, that sounds like Lost Rooms Arnak, but I forgot it has a solo mode, but and that's what it was, and so I need to try out the solo mode because it sounds yeah. pretty interesting. But Arnak is such a great mixture of two things I like with worker placement and the deck building. Um, it does tend to feel like you just wish you had that one more round. I haven't right. played the expansion yet, but I know that you've been raving about it. I enjoyed it. You haven't played it all the time. I haven't played the expansion either, <laughs> sitting okay. on the shelf next to the game. There's there's one that is, your character is the explorer, and so it makes you have one less worker, which sounds scary, except for you have food tokens, so you can technically move four different times instead of just the two each turn. Um, you just have to use a resource to use the food token and you place it where you were and then you can move your worker elsewhere. Okay. So that was a lot of fun because I was and able everybody to- everybody starts with a different deck as opposed to the same deck? The starting deck's still the same. Um, I think you may have had a couple extra cards depending on your character. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there, it's open. Everybody knows I'm, I'm, I'm powered by Mountain Dew and that was the, the second can of Mountain Dew opening. That was Mountain Dew fix. Um, I lost my train of thought, but yeah, the, the expansions, <laughs> it's okay. Well, and I feel like the the great thing about playing Arnak is you need like at least four or five playthroughs just to try all the different possible focuses you can do. Like this is probably the fifth time I've played it and I finally went, you know what? I ignore assistance normally. I don't even try to get them. How are you supposed to get your notebook higher on that research track? And I did it this time. I focused on that and I was like, oh wow, assistance opened up so many more possibilities for things you can do on a round. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on that. And there's a few people at the store who went, this is too much. Yeah. 
Right. They're not big board gamers. You know, they're more into magic or they're more into RPGs. Um, so this is Lost Ruins Arnak is not a game to spring on somebody as the first game you ever teach them how to play. But for people who have got some some you know time under their belt playing board games and stuff, it's just an amazing implementation. So that's cool. I didn't I had no idea they were from Czech. Yeah. The Czech Republic, that is. And a little tidbit is that Czech they maybe Czech baby one <laughs> her and her husband. Um, first tried to design a board game 13 years ago that didn't work. So I'm curious how long Lost Rooms was in the work. Interesting. Before. Yeah. Um, jumping away from board games and double puzzles <laughs> is Eboo, which I know we all know is a female-ran company. And everything is very... What's the word I want? Environmentally friendly. Thank you. Yeah. Recycled eggs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, she was um, she was a high-powered corporate attorney and she had kids and it was kind of one of those things where they tried to say it was almost like she was being punished for having kids right the the battle days of the 80s when that used to happen still and so she said the heck with this and she started her own company so she could stay home with her kids yeah and uh she hires uh uh children's authors or children's illustrators. That's where all okay. the designs come from. Oh, that from. makes a lot of sense. That's really yeah. neat. I didn't know that. From the New York City area, she hires children's illustrators and that's where all the designs come from. That's why the designs are so varied and so all over the place and that's part of the reason why we like them. Yeah. Plus they just make good quality they puzzles. They do. It's, a lot of people think of Ravensburger as a gold standard for puzzles and I mean, they've been doing it for a long time, but I always like to direct folks to um, Eboo and also Puzzle Twist as uh, the indie up-and-coming uh, puzzle companies when they try those out. Yeah, we did order one series of puzzles, and I'm not going to put the, the puzzle manufacturer on blast, but we <laughs> I built a couple of them and went, we're never ordering from these guys again. <laughs> never did, never curate. again. I have yet to build any of the puzzles in the store, but all of the eagle ones really stand out to me and I want to. I'm just terrified of my cats ruining everything. <laughs> That's an issue. Waffles has done that to us before. So, I have yet to do it, but I hope to eventually. Um, oh gosh, who do I want to go to next? Nikki Valens. Nikki Valens. Yeah. They are amazing. Yes, we'll go from pretty puzzles to horror games. Yeah. Um, they did Mansions of Madness, Elder Tor, Arkham Horror. Um, a couple games that I don't know, Legacy of Dragonhole and Quirky Circuits. Both of those are Ooh. ones that were really neat that didn't take off a whole lot, but like Legacy of Dragonhole, I didn't get to play it, but it looked amazing. It was a, uh, it's kind of an adventure RPG-esque board game that no one has to be the dungeon master for. Okay. And, and there's a lot of that you see in their design. And then Quirky Quir Circuits is one a of the programming board. game. Yeah, and it's getting an expansion yes. this year too. Yeah. It's uh, it was. It's not one of the storybook games, is um, it? What's, it's it's not, but it uses the same spiral bound like map setup. Yeah, um, that's the one a, with the cat and the yes, Roomba, right? Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's getting an expansion to allow the cat and the Roomba do to do more things this year as well. So plus okay. we love God. Although I haven't played Mansions of Madness in a really oh, long time, we used to so play good. a ton of it. So one of the things that I find very interesting, I've noticed with uh, Nikki's design work is. Um, they didn't design the first edition of Mansions of Madness. They didn't design the first or second edition of Arkham Horror. But what they do is they'll take the flavor and the bones of a game and they will rework it into something so much better. So like first edition okay. of Mansions of Madness was a really, really neat game, but it was incredibly fiddly because you had so many decks of cards and different things because it was trying to do that. Here is a role playing like experience where no one's the GM. 
And then the app that is so famous for it was part of that second edition development where they were able to make it better. And similarly, Arkham Horror Second Edition was a sprawling game that had been out for a decade or more that was considered very good, but it was all Did you there. ever play that with all the expansions? I have not, but I've I heard did of it one time. I've heard of the Ten madness. hours. Yeah. It was crazy. And then we lost. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, when they redesigned the third edition of Arkham, they went, how do we get the feel of this, but make it just streamline better? And so, I mean, even Eldritch Horror is basically second edition Arkham gameplay, but tightened up. Okay. Yeah, I, I used to say, tell everybody that Eldritch Horror was like, if you wanted the feel of Arkham Horror, but you didn't have a day. Yeah. Because Eldritch Horror was like, uh, you can play it about two hours. You know, what was the other one? Uh, Omen's, uh, oh, uh, um, the, the little box with the dice. Uh, it's El Elder Sign. Elder Sign. Elder Sign was a one hour experience. Eldritch Horror was a two hour experience and Arkham Horror was the all day experience. Yeah. <laughs> and now they tightened it up and now Arkham Horror you can play much, much faster, yeah. a couple hours. I have not played Arkham or Eldritch Horror, but I had played Mansions of Madness and I did enjoy that. Um, Especially with the app and the super creepy music it's now. It's neat. So, we had this conversation the first podcast I was on. How I was like, I don't know how I feel about ones that are app assisted. And I told uh, John last week when he was allowed to talk that I changed my mind and I'm a hypocrite because the app assisted games are very nice. Um, and we talked about BGA two and playing games online, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but I like how there's the puzzles in the app. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you're trying to get into this drawer that's in this room and it's locked. And so you've got to solve this puzzle on the app. And I just think that's really neat. Um, different route. Maybe I connect these games in my head because they're by each other on the shelves in the store. But Betrayal mm -hmm. at the House on the Hill, the Widow's Walk uh, version specifically is designed by Elisa Teague, um, who also does Geek Out. Almost oh, all of them. Interesting. You guys I, know how I feel about Geek Out. I love that game. <laughs> it's one of my favorite party games. It's my top three to take any time I'm going to a social event. Yeah, for those of you who are uh, listening right now who don't know Geek Out, Geek Out is a trivia game, but you bid and you have to bid with how many right answers you think you can come up with to be allowed to try to score the points. And so some of the topics that we've run into have gotten really, really ugly when everybody knows a ton of them. Like one time it was, uh, how many Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters can you you? Uh, uh, you, can you can you give? And I just kept every time it came around to me, I would increase the number by five. And I, you know, I'd be like fifteen, and then it'd be sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, twenty. And I just kept jumping it up by five every time. And I th I think the final number I had to get was thirty-two. Those are the showstoppers that usually are like, and now the game's done. No one's gonna top that. But yeah. it's it's an amazing icebreaker because if you're in a group, I always tell people like, have this in your pocket. And then when you're trying to get everyone who's been like kind of talking and eating all around, spread around in their apartment or whatever, talk to the person to your left, get them on the same page, give them a cue. They're going to get the next person and you're going to rope in about 75% of the room and get everyone talking in the same area. Yeah, my favorite version of it, there's a bunch of different versions. There's the, the true nerdy one, right? which can get ugly if you're in the wrong <laughs> group of, of geeks. But then my favorite version is the pop culture one, because you can pull everybody yes. in. Because uh, we were playing one time in a, a group of uh, boys and girls, and the topic that came up, the question came up is, how many lines of women's makeup can you name? <laughs> 
And the guys were completely flabbergasted, right? Because I think the right answer for that one was like 22. And I was like, there's 22 different companies that make makeup. And, and, and uh, you know, every, the ladies were all just naming things off. And I was just like, that's a real thing. It, it, it pulls in everybody, right? And we had one that was how many uh, fast food chains can you, uh, can you can you name? And it got crazy because there were three of us that used to fly a lot for work. And I was just naming off all the stuff at every airport in America. And uh, so all the topics on the, the pop culture one are a lot of fun. I enjoy that one a lot. I'm intrigued by the Disney one, but um, let's see, other than that, I was, we talked about Magali Villanueva. Oh uh, yes, the, the yeah. name I can't pronounce right, ever. Villanueva? Villanueva. I don't I'll know. just say it wrong every way I can. And We need her to tell us how it's yeah. pronounced. She does artwork for Wizards of the Coast. Um, she's done a bunch of D&D. She did Tasha's Cauldron on everything. The Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, the covers for these. She did the Throne of Eldraine poster, which is why I put that back in the yeah. window. She used to do a bunch of art for Fantasy Flight for their Song, Ice, and Fire stuff. And Game of Thrones, right? Yep, that's, yeah. Is that the oh. same franchise? It's okay. <laughs> Game of Thrones is the branding that they use for the games and then the TV show, okay. because it's way easier to say than a Song of Ice and Fire. It, it works, well, you know, I both, more. both work. <laughs> But I mean, that's that's who I've got on my list. Um, Those are such good games, too. Absolutely. We've got two more, real quick. Uh, Kristen Looney from Looney Lab did oh, a yeah. flux, flux for her husband. I had breakfast with her last week. Nice. That's <laughs> really cool. Yeah. They're just her and, her and Andy, should, they're, yeah, they're super laid back. You, you should know that just by the fact that their normal attire that you always see them in is tie-dye, right? That should just give you a clue. <laughs> Um, and Inca Brand, who did Exit. Oh, yeah. All the Exit like, games. All of them? Yes. Wow. Yeah. There's, how many are there now? There's got to be someone getting close to 30 of them at this point, right? I there was, are a lot. I was going through her um, Board Game Geek profile, and I was like, I just got to make sure that's all of them, not just a couple. And it was just pages of Exit games. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Those are, for anybody not listening, the Exit games are all one time playthrough escape room games. I mean, you should know that, right? I mean, because if you're listening to this, it was game of the year. I mean, come on. Now, the uh, I have one to actually tag onto this because this seems as good a place as any to mention um, Roberta Taylor, who designed Creature Comforts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, I was gonna maybe we'll talk a little bit more about my experience playing Creature Comforts the other day later on when we're just talking about stuff that we've been playing, but um, that is from uh, Kids Table Board Games um, or uh, Burnt Island. And it's a Kickstarter we just got in um, Thursday. And I played it over the weekend, had a really good time. And so I want to shout that out now. We'll talk yeah, more about that yeah. a little bit later. Yeah, Burnt Island is, uh, well, why don't we just talk about it right now for just a couple minutes, because you sure. brought it up. Why, yeah, why bring sure. it back later? Why not, why not? Because to me, Burnt Island is the home of some crunchy games, right? Yeah, like typically when you think of really crunchy, really mechanically involved, games usually think of euro games right like the joke i like to make is that the more a designer is uh is the, a designer has a challenge to be like i do not want people to judge my game for its theme i will make the theme as dry as possible so that they only see mechanic um <clears throat> it's my vague uh sort of german sort of russian uh, stereotype <laughs> for a euro game designer there i can i can be uh yeah um so uh Although I don't know any Russian game designers, I just realized now. Interesting. So um, uh, anyway, 
the Burnt Island, however, does very thematic games. It, and so they're very much in that Euro whatever kind of thing of like uh, in the Hall of the Mountain King. Yeah. Which was so many things going on at once. It's such a neat game, but like it's a brain burner learning it. And then um, Into Deep, I just looked at. And if I remember right, that one, it's a cyberpunk where it's. You, it's worker placement, but you can hack other players' workers to make them work for you. Yeah, the whole theme of it is, is kind of a cyberpunk future, and you hack people's brains. Yeah, and you take it over, and they don't know what you've done with their with their lives and with their workers and stuff. So is that what they're we're to John right now. Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so their games are ones that if you're like looking at the board game geek weight, you know, that goes on a one to five scale. They tend to be on that eight point five, or I'm sorry, that three point five and up. Their imprint KTBG Kids Table Board Games. Um, the their their kind of motto is that they design games that are for adults but accessible to kids, and they want it to be casual games for serious gamers, serious games for casual gamers. So it's a very interesting niche that they're trying to fill. And so going into Creature Comforts, I was curious what that was going to be like. Was this going to be? Um, really a family kids game that's like a, a Catan Jr. level of things? Or is this going to be overdeveloped and not actually accessible? It's an interesting challenge they set up. I think they succeeded. Um, so I played the solo mode, which is very neat because you don't have to change almost anything about the game, uh, which tells you a little bit about, about the player interaction, right? This is definitely that Euro style. We are competing separately. And uh, the idea of the game, <clears throat> is what sold me. It is that you are uh, furry little animal critters, kind of a wind in the willow, sort of uh, all the animals living in one town, and you have to uh, make your home the coziest it can be for the winter months. So you're spending eight months, eight turns, getting uh, fun stuff set up in your house, building improvements to it, gathering up resources, and gathering stories that you can tell over the winter. And that's something I found was very fun. Uh, the way that it works is it is a worker placement game with a couple of tweaks and it primarily focuses on resource collection and then turning those resources into items or comforts. So that could be anything from a bookshelf you're going to put books on to a cozy scarf to a toboggan uh, or some board games. Hence creature comforts. Yes, exactly. And there's some set collection there. Some of those give you bonuses. Um, but it's a whole lot of like not every single card and improvement and comfort is going to give you some special bonus. There's a lot of them are just here's the points it gives you. So it's not too overwhelming. There's a different visitor that travels a town, travels to the town each round. And that's neat because they give an effect that'll change the way the game is played for that turn. And they also have their own worker placement things you can do. So <clears throat> In terms of complexity, it is not something I, it says eight and up, and this is definitely one of those where we talk about certain ages are not, are more of a benchmark for what they were certified for the game. I would not give this to eight-year-olds and say go. I'm not sure I would give it to 10-year-olds and say go, unless they have a lot of patience. But if it is a matter of, hey, we have a family, we have a group of adults and some younger kids, and we all want to play a game together, the kids are going to be able to play this one. Um, probably a little bit easier than if you said, hey, let's sit down and play Catan. It's in that same bracket, right? So um, I think it succeeds. And I think it does some interesting twists for those who like worker placement. It uses dice to activate different areas. So basically everyone puts their workers out at the same time and you can have multiple people activating the same area, but then there are dice that are rolled and you have to arrange those dice to decide which of your workers actually accomplish what they're doing. Yeah, this was a Kickstarter that uh, we got reached out to by a ton of our customers. 
For those that don't know, we do have a Facebook group called Kickstarters at Red Raccoon Games. We're very sneaky about the name (laughs) of it. And people will reach out to me and say, hey, this game looks amazing. Can we get it at the store? So that's usually where I go to work and and try to work with the publishers to figure out what their plan is for the game coming forward. And since we've ordered from uh, Burnt Island before anyway for the, their other games. Uh, it's very easy to do. Very, They're very easy to work with. And this one, there was a lot of interest from mm-hmm. people too. And, and just watching the videos and watching the, the graphics on the, the Kickstarter, people were super into it. So, um, and I, I agree with you, Jesse, that that eight to 10 year old bracket is always hard for us because, you know, they're what? aging out of the simpler yeah, games. But they don't, <clears throat> not every kid develops at the same right. speed, right? Because I often talk to parents about Pokemon and I, I phrase it as we need new players to be able to read at a third grade level. But is that seven year olds doing that or is that 10 year olds doing that? Because because everybody's yeah. developing in a different space, space there. So I think that the, the family games were you know, adults can help the kids and maybe older siblings can help them yeah. and, and help them through the game really makes it as we go forward. Absolutely, And I definitely think the, the Kickstarter edition, which we have, that has amazing wood components and gamer trays that keeps everything organized. I punched one board and that was it. Everything mm-hmm. else was already in the box. Um, the, uh, the the Kickstarter edition comes with two mini expansions. One of them adds secret um, uh, goals that you actually, you can score during the game and then get another one. So they're kind of like achievements. And the other one adds uh, asymmetrical player abilities. So out of the box, everyone plays the same way, but this gives you, you can exchange these resources this way, or you get an extra resource this way. I think those are expansions that experienced gamers after their first playthrough are going to consider auto includes for the game, but making them expansions instead of a base thing definitely makes it more accessible. That's great. Well, and 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 I'm gonna pull us through with, watch this transition, I'm gonna pull us through because <laughs> uh, Creature Comforts was one of the hits of the Gamma Trade Show. The Gamma last, Trade this, Show. This week, yeah, so, yeah, I uh, I go every year that we can, the Gamma Trade Show is, or the, it's actually they rebranded, it's now the Gamma Expo. I have no idea who did that, but uh, the Gamma Expo happens, and the last few times it's happened in Reno, and it's the largest retailer-focused show in North America. There are bigger shows, but you know, obviously Gen Con is mostly a consumer show. Origins, Dragon Con, PAX, you know, PAX Unplugged, those are all consumer-focused shows. I think comparing this to E3 for the video game world is probably a fair comparison. I'd say probably more like game developers, GEC, mm. game developers mm, yeah, conference. Because yeah. E3 ends up with, they, they sell tickets to consumers now. Mm. I didn't know. I thought you still had a trade badge. No, they tried that for two years gotcha. and failed so miserably. <clears throat> and then the uh, PAX took away all their customers. That's how PAX got started gotcha. when they did that. Um, but it, it's great because when you go to the show, um, first flying to Reno is sucks. There's <laughs> there's no good way to get to Reno. Um, and, and that's why the show's probably going to move in a couple of years, it sounds like, maybe to Louisville. But... Uh, once you're there, though, it's, you know, over the years, I've built up a network of other game store owners that I talk to on a regular basis. And it's great because it's kind of like coming home and seeing your your cousins that you grew up with, but you don't see very often anymore. Um, and it's day one and day two are all retailer to retailer presentations. And they do a really good job 
uh, most of the time of finding retailers who are really good at one specific thing and then say, do an hour and teach everybody else. And the reason why I said most of the times, because I gave a couple of the presentations. <laughs> um, I was asked this year to do presentations. Uh, I did them on branding. And I protested when they asked me to uh, do the branding one. I said, I don't feel like I'm an expert. Why do you want me to do a branding? I said, I'm making stuff up. And what I was told was that we're making things up faster than everybody else is making things up. So um, they were really well received. I, I pulled together a bunch of stuff and I, I kind of went out and I said, well, maybe I should do some more research and look at like the professional steps that you're supposed to take for branding. And I was like, oh, we did all these. <laughs> we just didn't know what we were doing. We did them on accident. So, uh, and then in the presentation room, the first session I did, I said, you know, how many of you are, are first timers? How many of you have never been to Gamma before? And it was over 60% of the room had never been there before. Nice. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, getting the chance to help a bunch of new people I, that are never, new to the industry. I, I've told some of our newer employees who are like, so Jamie's at a trade show. Is it kind of like Gen Con? Like what's the, what's the situation? And I was like, well, part of it is also this development thing that the seminars that other retailers put on there are so many of the things that people compliment us on for being different from other game stores. So the things that we do that they go, oh, this is better. This is above and beyond. You're professional. There are things that we learn from those presentations a lot of the time. Yeah, and, and I think a big one of the, uh, uh, one of the presentations that really got me, it was actually before I owned the store, Ken had convinced me to go to a show and I saw a presentation by Brian Winters from I'm Bored. Uh, it's up in Madison, and it's a great store, great store. And he, Brian's whole presentation was, how do you attract non-gamers to game stores, right? And so, and it, it, you know, looking back at the presentation of the things that were in there is so basic or common sense but then we go visit game stores that don't do it and you're like yeah. things like clean the bathroom every day or you know paint your store or um, take whatever amount of lighting you have and double it unless it was designed by a professional you know because um, I think that there is a significant difference between what um, gamers most gamers will find acceptable and what non-gamers will mm -hmm. deal with right and so you know have a make sure your logo is clean and family friendly feeling and, and things like that and i took all those lessons from brian to heart and that's when we you know when i bought the store we started switching over from grafalia's area to red raccoon games um we really implemented a lot of those things, and it, I think that's really shaped a lot of the culture that we have here. I, I mean, it's funny you mentioned the lighting because when I was a customer before I worked for the store, uh, I remember the first time that I walked in and you had made improvements, and I went, there's light. Like, it was bright in the store. <laughs> yeah, I really did. I, I doubled the number of light fixtures that are in the store compared to where it was when I bought it. So now the first couple of days are a lot of seminars. And then the, of course, there's the publishers who are talking about new things that are coming out. Yeah. And then there's the trade hall where you got to see things physically, which we haven't got to do in multiple years now it's because It's a little of weird COVID. going to a conference for the first time yeah. after COVID. It was a little weird, but uh, everybody had to show proof of vaccination to be allowed to attend. So that was, I think that gave everybody a, at least a base level of comfort and masks were still required, um, you know, which is, 
Um, it makes for very long days of wearing a mask, which we, we know, right? Because we used to work uh, eight, 10 hour days wearing a mask the entire time. But there was some, yeah, there's some super cool stuff coming out, guys. I'm <laughs> super excited. Uh, and I think probably the single, um, the, the, the single biggest game that got the most attention from other retailers is Boop. And Boop is in, yeah, Boop. Yeah. Okay. I'm intrigued just by the name. <laughs> Boop, B-O-O-P. And Boop is in, the entire uh, game of Boop is all about cats jumping on the beds. <laughs> I was going to say, is it about cats? Because yeah. you, you boop the cats. Yeah, okay. it's 100% about cats jumping cool. on beds. And, um, and when you jump on the bed, though, of course, jumping on the bed causes the bed to vibrate and you can vibrate other cats off the beds. It's like a little wave effect. It's okay. a wave effect, yeah. And you have to get three kittens uh, jumped on a bed and get them moved around so that they're lined up and then the kitten becomes an adult cat and then if you can get three adult cats in a row that's how you win the game but the whole time is everybody moves a cat onto the bed and the game board is actually not it's like this sewn lumpy thing so it's <laughs> designed to look like a quilt okay. and you put it you put it on the back of the box and when you take the the box up uh, take the box out uh, with no lid on it, you can see that the edges of the inside box is designed to look like, like a bed skirting all the way around. <laughs> so it's just a nice touch. And everybody was super excited. I mean, it's from uh, Smirk and Dagger Games, who uh, also, the, in a really cool option, uh, Night Cage was a mm. game that we had last year that I think we only got six or 12 yeah, copies sold of. sold out a week. Sold out, yeah, pretty much instantaneously and then was unobtainium and it's coming back. So that was also Smirk and Dagger. So it looks like they're gonna have two big hits yeah. in a row from well, those guys. And they also, they put out Shogu, which is, uh, as far as newer um, abstract strategy games go, I think is amazing. And- That's not new though, that's like four years old now, it man. It's not, it's not a classic abstract strategy game is what I'm saying. But they, the point that I was making with that is that Smirk and Dagger, I think always finds games to publish which have very aesthetically pleasing components. They are, they have unique mechanics. Uh, none of their games feel by the book. And so uh, I'm definitely excited to see Boop. I saw, um, I had seen other uh, people, both publishers and store owners posting on Facebook about Boop. And then I, I messaged you when you said you were at the Smirk and Dagger uh, booth. And I was like, did, did you look at Boop? You're like, oh, oh yeah, I looked at Boop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one that I, I don't think will be as big because it's gonna be a little more crunchy, but I'm super intrigued by it, is Planet Unknown. And I heard about that one. Yeah, this is it. It hasn't been released yet. It's coming out, I think, in April or May, and it's a little bit like patchwork, where you have tetranomino pieces, but it has this cool drafting mechanic. So patchwork is a two-player only game, and and you're both working on your own individual boards to build a quilt. This one, each person's working on their individual board, but it's like you're settling a planet, you're colonizing a planet, and as you're drafting the pieces out, um, you're trying to build out your your planet. You've got to get rid of any kind of meteorites that are causing fires. And if you don't get them, they're negative points. And if you do get them, they create positive points for you. And it has this unique mechanic where all the pieces store in like a lazy Susan. Hmm. And so as the commander, one person, the, the first player for each turn gets to spin that lazy Susan um, and, and 
it has it's sectioned off so each player decides which one they're going to play on and on my turn i spin it so that it gets the two pieces i want to possibly draft oh, wow. line up and then each of you each other player has to deal with whatever uh piece happens to come up in front of them at that time and so it's this okay. really it's got this cool mechanic yeah. you've got a rover that you're driving around your planet as you're colonizing and exploring it i think it's going to be this it's going to be super cool and it's got a amazing table presence this looks very cool i was bringing up pictures as jamie is talking and i see the uh little yeah lazy susan turnaround thing in the middle of the table which looks amazing the tile laying on the board looks super super fun I love tile games. I'm excited about this. And then another one that I was super excited about, and a lot of people didn't see, is called Wonderbook. And Wonderbook is a, uh, it's like a light strategy kind of uh, miniatures game. And it is, uh, what's oh, it's unique? it's a pop-up game. It's a pop-up book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. So you start off and you play on the back cover of like exploring a wizard's tower. And then once you solve the mystery of what's going on, you open it yeah. up. And it's this huge tree that opens up and it's it's got to be 14 or 16 inches tall. And then the layers of the tree are the different boards that you play on as you're playing through the story. There's pages that pull out from the sides and open up mini sideboards. And then to, especially if you're going to the final battle with the dragon, I was I was like, <laughs> this is an it's awesome some really cool minis. Too. I saw that uh, last month mm -hmm. in the GTM magazine. I remember that. Yeah, and I was like, this looks really neat. Yeah, I was, uh, and I asked the guy, I'm like, okay, so this is a paper pop-up tree. How long did, how many playthroughs is this gonna I was get gonna through? I ask you that, yeah. And, and he had a really great response, and it was like, this is the fourth show I've taken this one book to. Okay. And open and close it, open and close it for everybody as a demo while he's at the show. So that's kind of says, that's, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, other cool things I saw is uh, there's a new Goonies game coming out. You guys know how yep. I feel about Goonies games. So you get a Goonies game and an expansion. Um, I did, I'll post a picture of it later. I got to see uh, one of the games that we backed on Kickstarter was The Weather Machine. Mm. And this is going, this is going to make uh, the the, all the pieces that go with playing Lost Ruins of Arnak look like child's play. There is a metric ton of stuff that's going on in this game. There's like Ooh. mini boards and main boards and side boards. And based on the people who have pre-ordered it, um, I kind of expected that. It was <laughs> well, looking at BGG, it has a 4.15 out of five for its complexity rating. Anything over that four usually means. Uh, you're spending an afternoon getting that one together. Yeah, uh, I got to see a kind of a first look prototype of Frosthaven. Ooh. So it I, is massive. Oh my God, I'm it gonna, is so big. I'm gonna preface Jamie's <laughs> Frosthaven statement with the things that Jamie was messaging me about Frosthaven without actually saying anything about Frosthaven told me a lot about how whatever he saw made him feel. I was like, I don't know what kind of, I don't know what they fed them, what they gave them to drink, what was incense was in the air, but, but like, it's like they must've coated the boards in catnip because Jamie got a little rabid about uh, about Frosthaven. Yeah, I'll throw it up on our, our Facebook page too because I have a picture of the box with a banana for scale. <laughs> the box is massive. I mean, uh, in terms of footprint, it's the same box as Gloomhaven, however, it's four and a half inches taller. 
and they six pounds eight pounds heavier yeah it's 30 pounds per game and it's they're estimating it's got if you play the entire campaign all the way through maybe 150 hours of gameplay which that's massive for a roll for a video game yeah. let alone for a board game um the this, the minis look great. The this art design and everything. Uh, they wouldn't show us everything, of course, because a lot of it's a legacy game where you have to unlock stuff. But the, what they did show us, we were all like, "Ooh, ah, ooh!" as yeah. we went along. So that was pretty fun too. I haven't played Gloomhaven. I saw that Frosthaven has the like base building mechanic of building the town. Was that a thing in Gloomhaven as well, or is that yeah? New? Okay, okay. Well, it it not. No, not the town. Okay. The, you explored the map in Gloomhaven, and you you got to unlock new locations that you could go okay. to. Um, this one, you get to do that. Plus, you yeah, you build out a town, and as you unlock like um, uh, you unlock the 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 alchemist. Mm. Well, now you can use uh, resources that you found to actually undo like a crafting scenario and stuff like that. Or if you unlock the blacksmith, you know, he can allow right. you to upgrade and, and, and fix your weapons or do upgrades to the weapons. You know, I, I was thinking, I wonder if John remembers the PlayStation 2 game Dark Cloud, and then I remember John can't talk. So <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, and, and so, of course, um, if you play Jaws of the Lion, right? Jaws, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion was designed to be the learn to play Gloomhaven, but right. as an easier, more streamlined setting, you can take your characters from that or from Gloomhaven and pull them all forward into Frosthaven, as well as some of the weapons you may have found too. So there's some rules to make sure you're not like super OP right out of the gate in Frosthaven, but there's, there's a, and I don't remember the name, but there is a character that you can unlock his shop in the town that will allow you to pull in weapons mm. uh, from the other games and pull them forward too. Okay. So we were we were all pretty excited about it. Uh, we were talking the price from Cephalofair, so that was pretty cool. Um, you got a couple more that you wanna like mention out of what, what you saw at Gamma? Oh man, so many, it was just like, it's a little bit like overload. Um, so something that hasn't been super popular at the store, but I love is the museum games. Oh yeah. And there's a new one coming out, Museum Pictora, um, for something that we sell a, a ton of at the store. There's a new uh, monster box for uh, King of Tokyo oh, coming out okay. that incorporates like every monster that they've ever released. Um, something I already ordered is called, is a new light strategy game called Fantasy Brawl. And it's, it feels more board game than a minis game, but it's kind of almost like a, an entry level miniatures tactics game with an art style that makes me feel somewhere between uh, World of Warcraft or a Hearthstone kind of yeah. art style. So I saw that on Board Game Arena and I initially just thought, oh, that's an older game that's random it's on here. And then I saw, I think um, Jeremiah post about it on Facebook and I was like, oh, that's a new game. Oh, that looks interesting. So yeah, I definitely want to try that one out. It came out at Gamma 2020. Oh, and just got lost okay, in the okay. COVID massive shuffle that I think most people missed it. One of the things I uh, asked you to go take a look at that I saw you, looks like you got to get your hands on, Sushi is Sushi Boat Sushi being published Sushi by Boat. Japanime Games. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like uh, the whole game is based on if you go to a sushi restaurant that has the, the conveyor, conveyor belt, belt yeah. as you go. And so you're building out your points based on uh, what color <laughs> dishes you're able to get, the, the color of the dish and the type of food that's on them. 
is how you score your game. And it has a really cool mechanic of how you push a dish in one side and everything else. Because it's like a wood kinda, inlaid. It has a track you actually push the dishes on, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It looked really cool. Yeah. It, that, was the, that was the weebiest booth in the entire show. Japan has some really neat stuff coming out this year I'm excited about. Um, and that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, I ordered some dice. I got a lot of dice. And uh, Ryan is going to be both happy and sad with me at the same time for the you know if you guys don't know ryan is our she she calls herself a dice goblin with aspirations of being a dice dragon i don't know have you heard her say that before i have not yeah she, so, she wants to be a dice dragon and uh but she also organizes and maintains all the inventory of all the dice we have at our store which can be it's a lot of dice daunting so that's a lot of stuff about things that aren't here yet and i'm sure you'll see on facebook we're on a post about a bunch of these and james got to do his usual photo dump and whatnot but next up let's talk about things that are at the store uh in the new hotness and uh so let's see here we already talked about creature comforts for a bit so we can go past that one um the first thing i'm seeing just starting from the top is uh these are not new but they're new to the store we got a couple of rpgs in uh recently from atlas games got a restock finally of the unknown armies core book and for the first time in the store we got a, an old cult classic ars magica fifth edition and uh i brought in ars magica because I'm an RPG nerd and I, I've heard about it a lot and it sounded interesting. And uh, it's actually sort of the prototype for World of Darkness. The same people went on to make uh, Mage uh, the Ascension. Uh, Alexis saw the book, immediately latched onto it, and I don't think that I heard a word from her for like 20 minutes after that. So yeah. Alexis, tell us about looking through the Magica <laughs> book so far. So I, there was something when it came out of the box, I was like, it, it's just calling my name. I just had to grab it. and I not huge on RPGs, not against them. I just haven't ever had the opportunity to play a ton of them. And so I, I brought the book home with me that night and I finally got the chance to look through it and just read through like the introduction and some very brief little bits here and there before I got too tired. Um, but it's, if, if this was real life, it's everything I'd want in real life. <laughs> so tell us a little I bit about I want to the... live in this world. So it's in like um, 13th century England but it's where all the mystical mythic things are actually real. So everybody has magic and there's just a ton of different things going on. And I think the really neat thing, and I've said this to Jesse and you were, Jesse, your name is Jamie. <laughs> Jamie was there earlier too. I'm too excited about this game. Um, is that multiple people can be the DM. And so you can split up who's doing what and you also play multiple characters. So you have like your, base character, which is the Magi um, or Magus, depending on what your character is. Uh, we had a fun conversation about, just the, about etymology the etymology and, yeah. of the words <laughs> and how they're supposed to be pronounced. But so you have that character and then you what have like a- What does soybeans have to do with anything? So, what? <laughs> Edamani. Yeah. Sorry. That was bad. So you have your first... Jamie's dead, uh, dead joke of the podcast. <laughs> just derailed everything. You've got, you've got that character and then kind of a secondary and then a tertiary character. And there's those bottom two level characters you can even share between the other people in the game. So there might be a townsfolk that is just a good friend to your magi and then a couple rounds later somebody else could be playing that townsfolk and having a different conversation with somebody else 
Um, and there's just, there's too much to it. You had a question. So the, so the troop style play basically answers the question of like, why we have a scene that's important to these players, but not important to my character, how am I involved, right? Or right. like if my character's spending three months in their laboratory doing something yeah. alchemical, what, what can I do while they're doing that, right? Yes. Because yeah, you can send a character off to do their own little adventure. Maybe they have to collect some things for this ritual that needs to be performed. Um, so while that character is doing that, you are working on another character with another character. Um, and the, there's four different mystic realms, and one of them is fairies, but it's not the Tinkerbell kind of fairy that you think about. They're more evil. What was the exact phrase? It was like... Oh, it, it is, uh, the fae care about humans. It's just sometimes that is the way that a torturer cares about its victim. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was like, <laughs> wow. I, I want to yeah. know more about these fairies. And they're... There's so many and other this is books. the world you want to live in? Yes. <laughs> wow. The Fae are, as long as you know how to deal with the Fae, it's okay, right? Yeah. Well, you are the Fae. It's like the Fae from, <laughs> from the Dresden. Dresden Files. Oh, yeah. The, the Winter Court and the Summer Court. Yeah. Be um, careful how you phrase your yes. requests. Yes, exactly. They, they can't lie, but they can omit. Um, I was stoked. I'm, I'm going to change the subject, Danny, because I was stoked to see New Dominion expansion. Oh, yeah, New yeah. Dominion expansion. I didn't actually realize it came out this soon. I thought it was actually next month, and Dominion Allies dropped. And I don't have every expansion. I've got most of the Dominion expansions. This is number expansions. 14. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a little obsessive. It takes, like, an entire shelf of my uh, <laughs> entire row of my shelf because I just love – I mean, Dominion's the OG deck builder, right? And it just keeps getting better as you go along, and the game keeps evolving. And this – the Allies expansion sounds super cool because um, it's all about trading favors. You know, you've, you've stopped fighting with the Barbarians, and you've given them um, – you know, you, you're now working with them and negotiating with them and trying to make it so that um, everything, you maintain peace in the realms. And it it talks about them being uncouth. And one of the things that you have to give them is, you know, pants. <laughs> and so it sounds super interesting. And I really want to check it out. It's I, I love Dominion and, and so all those expansions. I have a question. So throughout all of Dominion, then, is there lore? That goes along with some it. Some of them, yeah. That's it, it cool. Kinda I know goes, that. Yeah, there is a some, not all of them, but sometimes there's a storyline that ties some of them okay. together as you go along. That's neat. So I think that, oh God, I get the names of them mixed up. It might have been Dominion Empires where the war with the barbarians started. I think that is right. It's kind of like magic where it's like there's a story going on between right. these cards, but. Yeah, I never thought about that. It's funny how sometimes you can ignore the flavor of a game. Like, Between Two Cities is apparently in a Napoleonic kind of setting, and I always just glossed it as, like, early 20th century town. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also uh, in here Mountains Out of Mole Hills, which this is new from the OP. Yeah, yeah I'm not calling them that. They're USA They want to. That's what they call themselves internally, and somebody thought that would be a good branding name. Oh, really? And if you're old... You're, if you're old as as I am, the OP was Ocean Pacific, and it was a br <laughs> uh, brand of like California inspired clothing from when I was in junior <laughs> high. I switch back and forth. It, their logo says the OP, so I wonder if I need to update myself so I don't confuse people. But yeah, USAopoly. Yeah, um, but this no, is it, an original board game, unlike a lot of their licensed stuff. Yeah, and it's it's a dual layer board game, so you're playing obviously as as moles, and so sometimes you're playing on what's happening to the dirt and where things are moving above ground, which is the upper level of the board. And other times you're digging 
being below the ground and you, you've got to kind of balance where you're playing up and down as you move forward. I think we're going to have to get one out and, and put it on a table to okay. show people because I don't think it's going to make sense until we actually set out a demo and let people go, what the heck is happening here? I think you're entirely right. Um, a couple of there, and there's a new game coming out that's like that, too. Well, we had Holy, mm. which was like the festival of color right. from India. And um, that was a two-layer board. And then there's another one that we've got coming out from um, Summit Games, I think it is, called Block and Key that I'm super mm. interested in. And they showed a demo at the sh show there, too. So There's a couple of quick mentions I want to make before getting back to a couple of brief mentions. Uh, the quick mentions, for <laughs> and those are going to be different. The quick mentions are for things that are not new, but recently back in. And then the brief mentions are for uh, two more RPGs. Um, oh, God. The, the quick mentions are uh, Taverns of Tiefenthal, which is from the same uh, publishers as Quacks of Quedlinburg. And that one was really popular, and it went out of print for quite a while. It's kind of on the lighter side of those Euro uh, kinds of games, sort of some uh, tableau building. Uh, it's been on my to play for a long time, and I'm looking forward to getting to play it now that it's something I can physically get. Quacks again. is finally back in stock. Quacks too. is back in stock, and there's a kids version. Yeah, of Quacks, Quacks coming Co. out. And um, the other one is Arkham Horror: The Dunwich Legacy Collection. So Arkham Horror LCG recently switched from doing the here's a deluxe expansion and then a campaign that's through uh, six mythos packs and they went let's just do the whole campaign as one box you spend like 60 70 bucks you get everything in one box the whole shebang makes everything easier for everyone and it's excellent and now they are re-releasing the classic ones they've done before in that format so and some of them were out of print for a while yeah. too you couldn't get some of those old ones if you were newer to the game so this is nice yes yeah, so if you're like and, I'm in and my the inner whole, hippie says there's way less plastic and way, packaging involved here there's way less plastic and packaging um, there's a box already there for you to store everything in and uh yeah so it's it's pretty solid the two rpgs i want to mention real quick is unknown armies i alluded to earlier also not new but new to us um as and i was able to finally get it back in stock and that is the uh it's an occult rpg of broken people trying to fix the world it's basically a very 90s feeling conspiracy theories chaos magic uh, if you believe it, it can be real. And it has my favorite rule ever for melee combat, which is if you're in a knife fight, you take damage every round because it's messy. And if you don't believe me, the, rule, the book says, if you don't believe me, give a Sharpie to a toddler. Now try to get it back. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other brief mention is Fading Suns character book finally is here. Fading Suns got its new edition last year and we got everything for it in like November except for the character book, which is the player's handbook. That's the core <laughs> rule book for everything. There's a separate book for lore. There's a separate book only for GMs. And this is the book you need in order to play it. So we finally have that in. So if you've been looking at Fading Suns, you thought, well, I want to wait for the core book and see if I like it. It is here. And that is future science fantasy, very much in like a Dune or Warhammer 40K, like fantasy tropes, but with spaceships and jump gates and lost technology and super cool, super cool. We Definitely gotta, we gotta throw a quick shout out to the new Critical Role book too. Oh yes, called the Nether Deep. Called yeah. the Nether Deep dropped on Tuesday. Yes, and uh, we've got a lot of customers who would call themselves critters, including several staff members, <laughs> that uh, all things Critical Role are part of their lives. And so this is a new official D and D book. Um, after we had this is. 
this is expanding into some new territory beyond the wild mount, right? The, originally we had the wild mount area, then Critical Role self-published their own book, uh, the Taldori Reborn book, which we're hoping to get a restock of soon. Um, and then now we've got the official Dungeons and Dragons book, Call of Netherdeep. So I know people were super stoked about that. So that's everything for the new hotness. Uh, last thing that we want to go over real quick is what's going on in the store this week. And I'm actually bringing up our events calendar to remind myself if there's anything unique. Um, because the last week was a little bit of a whirlwind while Jamie was gone. Um, yeah. Well, today, Pokemon, right Pokemon's now, back. Yeah. Pokemon's back. Pokemon's back. First and third Sundays from, uh, did we say it was noon or one? I was trying to remember. One. 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 One to three. It'll be one to three going forward. Yeah, we had a clerical error before for noon. Yeah, Um, noon is, we were told by parents that noon was bad because they were going to dinner after after church in the morning. Makes sense. So uh, Pokemon Open Play is back. And uh, we also today, every third Tuesday is uh, our third Sunday. Uh, is Battletech. It won't help you right now, but it'll tell you for next month. And uh, besides that, we've got um, the Paint Club, which meets on the 23rd this month. Lots of new uh, cool stuff going on. RedRaccoonGames.net has our full calendar. And uh, I want to put one more plug in there. This is one that we've been planning for a while, and it's getting a lot of attraction. So if you're interested, you better sign up now. In April, we're going to have a Blood Bowl tournament at the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've been working with Alan to get this one planned since I will God it must have been we started in December trying to get it all organized and you've got to a reason why I want people to sign up now is if you go in and read the rules if you're a Blood Bowl fan um, you've got to submit your teams for approval um, two weeks I think two weeks before yeah. the actual day so it's not till I think it's April 24th so you got time yeah but don't mess around if you want to play in the Blood Bowl tournament go start looking at the rules evaluate what your teams are going to be and get things submitted now our Blood Bowl community is small but very cool and they keep having new folks join in and uh, it's great because it's such a casual motorcycle behind us <laughs> it's such a uh a casual little minis game, very beer and pretzels. They just have a good time, and it's it's you enjoy your failures almost more than you enjoy your successes. Yeah, it was just one of the fun rules in this one is um, Alan loves halflings, and halflings are underpowered in the game. So in this tournament, halflings get bonuses to try to. If you play halflings, you can get extra bonuses during the course of the tournament to try to levelize the fact that they're not the most OP team out there. Nice. This week, Wednesday, is also the first completely casual 60-card magic day. Oh, yeah, that's a new thing. Um, the 20, 23rd, yeah. So it's just... It's kind of like somewhere between kitchen table magic and a tournament, and it's... So we, we knocked out the tournament style. So it's basically casual commander with 60-card. You just come in with whatever you want. There's no band list or anything. You just come and play your 60-card decks. However you but want it's to not play command, it's not commander. You just said commander. No, it's like our casual commander night. Oh, but okay. It's, but so it's just not. open yeah. play, yeah. kitchen table, yeah. play fun decks. Uh, people register in with WPN or not WPN. I'm talking from years ago now. Event link uh, and get promos, but it's just very casual play. Yeah. That, that's going to be what th- Wednesday. Is that, Wednesday. Is that a rate recurring um, Wednesday of the month? I don't remember off the top of my head what Brittany and I It'll had decided. It'll be on our on. calendar. It will be. <laughs> All right. So that has been this edition of Red Raccoon Radio. Thank you all for listening. And uh, 
follow us on all the things, do the up likes and all the things. I don't remember the normal outro that John has because usually at that point I'm just desperately trying to get the manacles well, off. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to let John loose at this point. That's, yeah, that's you know we do have to. You did give him air holes in the box to breathe out of, right? Um, <laughs> this is just getting darker as we get along. <laughs> John's fine, everybody. John's John is fine. fine. We're gonna send him home to Amanda. Yes. So, yeah. Oh, and Kel <laughs> Kelly's making Aaron Cini for dinner tonight. Ooh. Because tonight's staff meeting. And yeah. Sorry, folks, you can't come, but the rest of us, we're having Aaron Cini, shrimp fettuccine, and chicken parm. Chicken parmesan. <laughs> chicken parm. I honestly, I, I looked through the list and to see if garlic bread. bread was on there, and I was good there. So, <laughs> she brought, she, yeah, she got three loaves of garlic bread. She figured you were going to eat one by yourself. <laughs> this is true. Thank you, everyone. Have a safe time, and we'll see you soon. Peace.